Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Thanks for listening to the Best of the Herd podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. This is the Best of the Herd with Colin Cowher on Fox Sports Radio. Here we go on a Monday. Thank you for joining us, me, the Herd. J-Mac off this week. Ryan back on the board. This is the Herd. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. One hour from now, where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong, there is plenty of both. We got a week away from NFL preseason games. The world of college football is changing. People are mad at Megan Rapido and Jake Paul's legitimate, or is he great to be in on a Monday? So let's start with this. There are no perfect sports. Every sport has a hole. Baseball's a little slow. Season's too long. UFC and football have a regulated level of violence. Some people don't like that. Basketball, load management. Soccer, not enough scoring. Hockey, same thing. Every sport has a hole. College football's whole, too many awful games. There's 32 NFL teams, and each weekend there's seven or eight great ones. Seven or eight out of 32. The margins are thin. It's close. In college football, there's 130, 132 teams, and you may get five great games. College football has a big, great game shortage. Labor Day weekend, it's called Google. It's a, it's a search vehicle. Look it up. 80 games, roughly, over the Labor Day weekend. Two interest me, and I love college football. LSU and Florida State, I think LSU is going to win the national title. I'll watch that. And TCU, Colorado, although TCU is going to blow them out by three touchdowns, it's Deion Sanders' debut, and I want to watch. 80 games, couple that get me to a TV. I've seen the attendance in the Pac-12 take away Washington and Husky Stadium consistently, and Otson, Eugene, empty seats, bad games, attendance dwindling, conference feel like it died five years ago. I see the television ratings for the Pac-12, people freaking out about all the changes. Even stodgy baseball now has a pitch clock, banned the defensive shift, and has bigger bases. I mean, you would have laughed at that even a decade ago. Forget 20 years ago. All are happening, and the ratings are up, and so is attendance. <sighs> Take a deep breath. What are we losing here? The Apple Cup? No, we're not. Washington's already said they'll play at Washington State. 
Are we losing the Civil War? No, Oregon says they want to play Oregon State, too. By adding Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA to Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. More big games. More big games. Big stadiums. Big fan bases. Big TV crowds. You going to tell me when Michigan's at Washington and Eugene's in Penn, uh, Oregon's at Penn State and Columbus and the Buckeyes are hosting USC, Iowa's going toe-to-toe with Washington, you're not going to watch those games? Yeah, I know. You're going to miss out on that Arizona State-Oregon State battle. Nobody watched. I saw the ratings. Wazoo, Arizona, nobody cared outside of Pullman and Tucson. Since college football pays for virtually everything on every campus, yeah, they lean into the TV networks. And since gas is more expensive and hotels and travel is more expensive, somebody's got to pay the bills. It's college football. And so the Pac-12 couldn't line up a TV partner. Think about that. Networks now are bidding wars for pickleball, bass fishing, hot dog eating contests. They're all over. I watched a pillow fight this weekend. It's sanctioned. It was on ESPN. There's a slap league. And the Pac-12 couldn't get a TV deal? People are desperate for content. And the Pac-12 couldn't get a deal. Too rigid, too stubborn, too pious, too precious. It was unstable. You tell me. Are kids better when they grow up with stability or instability? And adults... The Pac-12 was unstable, a dying conference, couldn't get a TV contract or a streaming deal lined up. So Washington and Oregon and USC and UCLA bolted. By the way, Utah, Colorado, and the Arizona schools feel like a great fit in the Big 12. They really do. I don't know what happens to Wazoo and Oregon State, Cal and Stanford. I don't know. But I know adding Texas, Oklahoma to the SEC, more big games. Huskies, Ducks, Trojans, Bruins to the... Buckeyes, Badgers, Hawkeyes, Wolverines, Spartans, Nittany Lions, more big games. If I'm paying for everything, darn right I'm going to look for more stability and a better TV contract. I've said this about March Madness for years. If CBS and TNT spend a billion dollars a year on March Madness, shouldn't they get a say in the seating chart at the wedding? If you pay for the wedding, can't you say I don't want Marge sitting next to Bill? They fight all the time. You don't, you don't write the wedding vows, but you get a say in the seating chart at the wedding. If football's paying for everything, and college football's literally paying for every program, Ohio State probably has 38 Division I programs, 33 lose money, four break even, three make money, and college football makes big boy money. They're going to line up, so was Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA, line up with the networks and make more money. They got to pay all the bills, more big games. I love college football, but it has had a great game shortage forever. Google, Google the Labor Day college football schedule, and you tell me if the sport doesn't need tweaking. That thing should be filled with USC and Notre Dame and Ohio State and Texas and Oklahoma and Oregon and LSU and Georgia. It should be filled. Instead, you get something called Mercer and Middle Tennessee State and Panera Bread Tech and Roast Beef University playing major conference powers and getting steamrolled by 40. What are we grabbing onto? What are we losing? Regional games that nobody showed up and nobody watched. I see the ratings and I see the attendance. More big games. It's the hole in college football. It needed tweaking. It's here. I can't wait. I can't wait. And by the way, Florida still plays Florida State. Wazoo's going to play Washington. Civil War is a great game. They'll still play. But it was time. Big Ten is a better conference, better revenue, better stadiums, better tradition. Pac-12 died right in front of us. It's sports. Things happen. All right. um, You know what they say as you get older, this is what they say. I'm not, not sure who they is. But as you get older in life, that you get more conservative. I don't know. It's not happening. I'm not angry enough. Republicans these days are mad at everybody. Bud Light, Disney, Wokeness, Joe Biden, and the United States Women's National Team. Or are they happy? 
Apparently, because Megan Rapino missed a penalty kick and didn't collapse into a puddle of tears, they are very upset. Here, she had a smile after losing, and certain people did not like it. I mean, this is like a sick joke. For me personally, I'm just like, this is dark comedy. I missed a penalty. This is the, the balance to the beautiful side of the game. I think it can be cruel and um, just not our day. Yeah, it wasn't their day and it wasn't their tournament. First of all, nobody has ever won back-to-back-to-back World Cups. Pele didn't, Maradona didn't, Ronaldo didn't, Messi didn't, Brazil didn't, Argentina didn't, and we weren't going to. Nobody ever. This was a young team with a new coach. That's not exactly a recipe for World Cup dominance. 14 new players and a coach I'm not sure was the right coach. Rebuilding dynasties is hard. We saw it with the Warriors last year. Old guys, same culture, new guys not ready, and they got boxed by the team in the playoffs that eventually didn't even win. They didn't even play the champs. It's hard. The Patriots post-Tom Brady. It's hard. Spurs without Duncan. Difficult. Older players, older cultures trying to bridge the gap. Sometimes you fire a coach, you move on to a new coach. That's what the United States women did. A dynasty, and they're in the middle of a rebuild. This wasn't their team. By the way, Germany, I think a very good team lost as well. Now England and Sweden are favored. Good luck. It's hard. Even when the United States women's national team had your Mia Hams and your dominant performers, they were winning by a goal late. The games were close. Think how great England is in men's soccer and Argentina and Messi. How many World Cups do they have? This stuff's tough. It's a global sport. And we see it in the NBA. The best player right now is Giannis. Or is it Embiid? Or is it Luka? Or is it Jokic? Four players not from here. Wonderful players. Uniquely gifted. The last five NBA MVPs have all been foreign-born. People are catching up. Ronald Ocuna Jr. for the Braves from Venezuela. He might win the MVP. If he doesn't, Shohei Otani will. It's the first time in a long time both the MVP favorites, not from here. You watch our men's World Cup team. They're young, feisty, athletic, hella fast. They're going to make noise in the next World Cup. It's almost like we're catching up to the world. Italy didn't even make the World Cup last time. We did. But it's also like Sweden and England and other countries are catching up to us. Yes, Megan Rapinoe is a unique athlete. Smiles and you don't like it. But I thought she summed it up when she said, this this is what the sport is. It is cruel. It is dark. The greatest players in the world put on a pedestal, and then brought down because they miss a penalty kick, which looks like you and I could do it. We could not. They weren't built to win. I don't think they looked fluid offensively. I thought Carly Lloyd nailed it. They looked uninspired. Were they in good shape for as much youth? Why weren't they faster? They weren't built to win this thing. No reason to be mad. Rebuilding dynasties is really, really hard. Good luck to everybody else that remains. I always... Sort of have a soft spot for England. Mom was from there. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The camps are opening up. They're full steam ahead. There's two questions in the NFL I don't know an answer to, but I can't wait to watch it, and I think we'll know very early. Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets. Offensive line very much in question. Eight and nines on the board. So was 12 and five. And Russell Wilson, does he still have it? Sean Payton has worked wonders with backups, mobile guys, old guys. He's won with everybody. Even Jameis Winston. Can he win with Russell? Well, he said yesterday, Russell Wilson is going to play in the preseason. Yeah, I haven't shelled it out yet, but they're going to play. We'll, we'll figure out how many snaps. So I don't have a pitch count. I don't have an exclusion list as, you know, if, if someone's got a, a light injury that we back. But, I mean, we can expect to see our guys play a little bit. That, that would include Russell, right? Yeah, that would include he's a player. Yeah, running mobile quarterbacks age very quickly. Cam Newton was really special in 27-2018. Then suddenly, he was shot. Big Ben, at the end of his career, fell over and nobody touched him. He got old really fast. And these were much bigger players than Russell Wilson. Russell was the most sacked player in the league last year. He put on some weight to absorb all the hits, and he just didn't look as elusive. I don't know what he's going to be. It happened fast, and due to Russell's contract, which is going to be very weighty for the next three or four years, they're not going to be able to surround him with an elite offensive line. Injuries are going to hurt this team, and they've already lost two receivers. He was young and elusive in Seattle and surrounded by young, twitchy athletes. He's got a great corner, a couple of good players around him, but I don't know what they are offensively. The good news is, though, Sean Payton had Taysom Hill for nine starts and, believe it or not, went 7-2. and two. He had the very limited but capable Teddy Bridgewater as a backup. He went 5-0 and oh in one stretch. And even Drew Brees, at the end, a pure pocket passer who could not throw the deep ball, won 17 of his last 23 games. So older quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks, Sean Payton's won with every one of them. My guess is Russell Wilson, we've seen he's brought weight down. I believe he has to play basketball on grass. That's when he's at his best. I think they have a young star running back off an injury. If he's capable to play and with the upgraded O-line, Denver's going to be a handful offensively. They may have the best pure corner in the NFL. Don't know about their pass rush, but I like their secondary a lot, and I love their coach. My guess is if you can make Taysom Hill – Old Drew Brees, Jameis Winston, and Teddy Bridgewater win. You're going to be fine with Russell Wilson. That's my guess. How good? That I don't know. But good to very good, highly probable. Russell Wilson will play in the preseason. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So Hall of Fame uh, festivities in Canton this weekend, and uh, uh, Micah Parsons is a great player. And uh, you don't have to overthink the room, uh, much like he was at Penn State. If you turn on a Penn State game, Micah Parsons looked like the best player on the field, even if they were playing Michigan or Ohio State. He was just great. Uh, almost like the Boses in college. They just look better than everybody. Uh, and with the Dallas Cowboys, same thing. He, he just looks better than everybody on the field and, and on most Sundays or Mondays or Thursdays or whenever the Cowboys are on. And, um, and he's going to have an unbelievable career. He was talking this weekend about the Hall of Fame and how he views that and himself. When you talk about great careers, you talk about the Hall of Fame, but I don't think I just want to make the Hall of Fame. I just want to be known as one of the greatest Hall of Famers. You know, there's categories to everything. You know, there's good, there's great, and there's like, 
Perfect. When you talk about me, I don't want to just be mentioned in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's a great accolade, but I want to be one of the greatest in the Hall of Fame. Well, I, I, I am one of those where the Hall of Fame would have far fewer members. It doesn't matter if it's the Broadcasting Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame, the Baseball Basketball Hall of Fame. I think they're all watered down. There's a sense that we should include more people. Uh, you know, it, it's to me, there's a lot of very good and uh the minute you water it down and you put them in with all-time greats, it feels lesser then. To me, there are 10 players in the NFL right now that are first ballot Hall of Famers, and most play very key positions. I think at quarterback, Patrick Mahomes retired today. He's a Hall of Famer. I think Aaron Rodgers, I always like better than Favre, is a slam-dunk Hall of Famer. Travis Kelsey could retire today. He's in. So is his brother Jason at center. Trent Williams, maybe the best left tackle ever. He is on a short list. Aaron Donald, again, second best interior D lineman I've ever seen to Reggie White, and it's close. Miles Garrett and Vaughn Miller on the edge. They just play different and look different. Bobby Wagner's been a nine-time All-Pro. He's a Hall of Famer. And Justin Tucker, I mean, like every other kicker becomes at some point like unstable, a little bit of a head case. You're not sure. He is the automatic in a position with no automatics. It's Justin Tucker. To me, these are the Hall of Famers currently playing. Now, there is a list of about six or seven guys that when you watch the television, they literally jump through the screen. They feel like they're going to be Hall of Famers. And I can go back and forth on all the young players, but the six or seven players, to me, that look like it's the waiting room. Joe Burrow is just different. He can go toe-to-toe with Mahomes, and he doesn't feel inferior. Justin Jefferson is, is Randy Moss, to me, like one of those level players. I think Nick Bosa, the edge for the Niners. Micah Parsons, TJ Watt is unblockable. Fred Warner's the best linebacker in football and has range I'm not sure I've ever seen from a linebacker. Patrick Sertain, the corner for the Broncos. If you've ever seen a Bronco game live, I have friends who went and watched him last year. He's the best player on the field at corner. He's that dominant. So there's other people there that are close to me. You got a couple of edges. I also think the position you play does matter. There's not a lot of punters in the Hall of Fame. Ray Guy's in. There's not a lot of kickers. There's not a lot of coaches in the Hall of Fame. Quarterbacks, left tackle, edge rushers, big-time weapon, big-time corner, and a star linebacker are more likely to get in. So uh, to me, if you watch a game, just think of how good you have to be to be a college athlete, and then 15 to 2% of college athletes become pro athletes, and then you dominate those pro athletes. If you have to argue about it or think about it, like to me, are you arguably the best player at your position for 10 years? Go back to my Hall of Fame list. Are you the best player arguably at your position for a decade? Don't water it down. Aaron and Mahomes, that's it now. I like Matt Stafford. He was never considered the best or second or third best. Uh, Travis Kelsey. Uh, basically Gronk may have been better his first couple years in the league. Last six years, he's the best. Trent Williams, Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey's arguably the best center in the history of the league. Uh, Aaron Donald, Garrett Von Miller, Bobby Wagner. These guys are the best at what they do. Uh, for anybody doubting, and linebackers are not as important as they used to, but Bobby Wagner, even last year, is over 100 tackles. So he's a tackle machine, great instincts. Uh, you can water it down. Micah Parsons absolutely feels like uh, when you watch a Cowboy game, that's the best athlete either team on the field against virtually everybody they play, and that includes the Eagles. Listen to Comeback Stories. I'm Darren Waller. You may know me best as a tight end for the New York Giants. You may also know me for my story of overcoming addiction and alcoholism. You may have heard a few of my tracks as an artist or a producer. Uh, and you may have seen the work that I've done through my foundation. And you may know my friend and co-host Donnie Starkins as well. He's a mindfulness teacher, a yoga instructor, a life coach, a man fully invested in seeing people reach their fullest potential. And we've come to form this platform of comeback stories to really highlight not only our own adversity, but 
diversity in the lives of well-known guests with amazing stories. Catch us every week on Comeback Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Where Colin was right. Well, the Pac-12 officially has gone belly up. I said this about five years ago. It felt like it died. Arizona schools and Colorado, Utah to the Big 12. The Ducks, the Huskies, the Bruins, and Trojans to the Big 10. It's survival and stability. The West Coast is very distracted. There's a lot of pro teams, mountains, and beaches. It's hard. This is not the rural South or small towns in Texas. There's a lot of Seattle, San Francisco, Phoenix, L.A., Salt Lake City pro teams to go up against. They could not land a TV deal. I told friends for a year, it just doesn't matter as much out west. And I think the Big Ten is the solve. It'll get fans out to these stadiums in the west. Outside of the Huskies and Ducks, attendance in the conference can be hit and miss. Where Colin was wrong. Uh, the Lakers agreed to a deal with Anthony Davis that's going to pay him $60 million a year. He's a very good player. Even his series against Denver that many criticized, he was solid. Five more years of him, but it doesn't kick in until he's 32, and he's already banged up and gives you about 60% of the games. The contract essentially is saying... You're our future, and with LeBron's age, I get it, and you have to pay somebody, but I feel like he's more of a two from a leadership perspective and an availability perspective, but he's going to be paid starting at 32 like a one. Where Colin was right. Said it last week on Friday. I thought the United States women's national team would lose to Sweden. They're too young. They didn't appear to be brilliantly coached, and let's be honest. Not even Pele, Messi, Ronaldo won three straight World Cups. It's hard. They had 14 new members and a new system and coach. It's difficult. Carly Lloyd got criticized for saying it, but they didn't look like they were in great shape. They didn't look like they had a great deal of chemistry or fluidity to the offense. Megan Rapinoe's a great player, but missed a penalty kick. That got people all worked up due to her reaction. But this team only had four goals the entire tournament. So it's limited. Dynasties don't last forever. Rafael Nadal is like ranked in the hundreds now, and he was great years ago. This stuff is hard. Where Colin was right. When Jake Paul started boxing, I said, you better pay attention because he's good for boxing. He's all in. He's not brilliant. He's not fighting, you know, great fighters in their prime. But Nate Diaz is just another guy that came in, didn't train appropriately, and got beat. Yeah, Jake Paul moves the needle. He's not great, but he keeps getting better every fight. He looks a little more fluid and a little more composed with better footwork every fight, and I think he's good for boxing. You can say it's a shtick, but that's what people said about George Foreman. Remember that when he came back, it was a shtick? And then he started beating pretty good fighters. Where Colin was wrong. I like my GMs and owners in sports to be aggressive. The New York Mets were, and it just failed miserably. Not even Max Scherzer worked. Not even Justin Furlander worked. Hall of Flame-level guys. The Mets right now are 21 games out of first. I think a lot of it is the pressure in New York to be great. The Mets don't have a winning history, a little bit like the Jets. It's, you know, one or two great teams all time. I generally love GMs and owners being aggressive. Steve Cohen, who owns the Mets, was, and it failed miserably. Where Colin was right? Well... I said if I was the GM of the Angels, I would have moved Shohei Otani for prospects and players. But I did say I appreciated the Angels sticking it out. But now they've lost seven of their last, I think it's nine. Otani doesn't want to play for a loser. The Angels don't have a recent history of winning. They're not viewed as an elite organization. Otani to the Dodgers feels like a real thing. I think he wants to stay in Southern California. I think he likes the West Coast. I can appreciate what the Angels did, but in the end, it's not a winning organization, and the truth is, he's probably moving. 
where Colin was right. Steve Kerr this weekend acknowledged Chris Paul to the Warriors is not just about getting rid of Jordan Poole. I always like CP to the Warriors, CP3, his IQ, his toughness, his ability to have lots of assists and very few turnovers. And Steve Kerr also added this. Our team last year needed uh, another way to attack. And uh, we became a little too one-dimensional with Steph and high ball screens. We needed another playmaker um, to give us a different look. And uh, Chris is, um, as we know, you know, one of the all-time great pick and roll players, and uh, and he'll know how to control the tempo, and that's it's hugely important, especially in playoff games, uh, to have guys like that. Acknowledging it's more than just moving off Jordan Poole. Also, watch Chris Paul elevating Jonathan Kaminga, a super athletic, twitchy wing who feels like he can't quite develop just watching Steph do his thing. Where Colin was right. Finally, I thought Messi to the MLS would be the biggest move in the history of the league. It's better than I thought. Seven goals in four games. Two more last night, including one in the 85th minute. Miami now is not only the talk of the MLS. Ticket prices around the league have absolutely exploded. Messi is a rock star. Beckham to the MLS was big. They have cherry-picked great Europeans before, but what Messi is doing uh, at the level he's doing it is unprecedented. He is a scoring machine, and uh, two more goals last night, seven in four games. It's amazing to watch the best soccer stars, isn't it? They make everything look so, so easy. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find that people who are outraged by all the moves in college football are traditionalists. They're outraged by, go back to their Twitter feed, the last 20 things that were a change. People like tradition. But the coaches poll came out in college football today, and I'm just going to read it off the top. Georgia, Michigan are one and two. Bama, Ohio State, four. LSU, USC, Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, Tennessee, Washington, 11, Texas, 12, Notre Dame, 13. You could go back 50 years. Would have been the same basic teams. NIL, transfer portal, blow up the Pac-12. It's the same halves. (laughs) Outside of Oregon, which is rated in the coaches' poll 15th, and they bought their way in with Phil Knight's money, it's all the same teams. 
Same big stadium, same big revenue, same big brand, same geographic advantages. It's the same teams. You're all freaking out about stuff. What about Oregon State? I love their coach, and I think they have a really, really good football team this year. What about them? You know, if they if they go out and crush it and, and make a major bowl, somebody will want them. Probably not the Big Ten or the SEC. Somebody will want them. But you know, people freak out about change, and that's okay. I didn't grow up in the same neighborhood. I respect it. I get it. When I moved out east for 10 years, it really was something cool that I'd never seen before. The, 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 the camps, uh, the churches, uh, the private prep schools. It's just Nantucket, Cape Cod. It's fascinating. I, I love it, and I miss it. Uh, but I didn't grow up with it, and I like new things. And as a West Coast person, uh, you know, a lot of people from the East move out West because they want to chart their own life. And so let's not freak out. New stuff is fun. And I think you're going to see big games. I cannot wait to watch Washington at Camp Randall on a Saturday night and USC facing Penn State, a whiteout. I can't wait for it. Eugene hosting Michigan, the Ducks in Michigan, uh, Huskies in uh, Iowa. I can't feel like the Rose Bowl in October. I can't wait for it. So I saw this from Dak Prescott. I like Dak. Not sure about his coach. I like Dak. He was talking to Yahoo Sports. And he said, it's just crazy the amount of details. Guys are on the same page now. Just being open and communicating. Been a world of difference. Does anybody believe that? Mike McCarthy has been in the NFL for 30 years. Have you ever even once, I know I haven't, thought, man, this offseason, I bet Mike McCarthy's out there cooking up new plays. Nobody's ever thought that. Andy Reid, absolutely. Sean Payton, I can see it. The biggest knock in Green Bay on McCarthy, he was stale. Biggest knock in Dallas, he can't figure out the clock. <laughs> You know, folks, you can put world famous on your pancake house. It doesn't mean you are. You can say a lot. Here's all I know about Dak Prescott. Anytime anybody leaves, everybody badmouths him. Kellen Moore, when Dak Prescott was healthy, Kellen Moore in the Cowboys offense was sixth, first, and fourth in points scored. Do I believe they had the first, fourth, or sixth best quarterback? Uh-uh. So, uh, according to Dak, Mike McCarthy saying, I want to run the damn ball is wizardry. <laughs> I don't believe it for a second. In fact, I believe the Cowboys' defense will be the cornerstone of the franchise this year. I think they have a very good defense with multiple elite defenders, Micah Parsons, uh, Trayvon Diggs. These are really unique players. But, but... Um, I mean, if you if you want me to believe that suddenly the communication and the details are all buttoned up, you mean like details like 14 seconds left, second and one, they run a quarterback draw, and Mike McCarthy, as they ran out of time, said, we'd practiced it multiple times, and you could always get it done in 12 or 13 seconds. You had 14, coach. <laughs> It's the Niners. They may jump and push on you. That saga was embarrassing. So you can tell me a lot about Mike McCarthy. He's a good guy. Players like him. But, boy, the details here. Woo! That's been the knock on him. In fact, Mike McCarthy, to his credit, admitted after he got the Cowboys job that the details on his resume and interview were off. Remember that? When Mike McCarthy said, yeah, I said I watched every play of the season. I didn't really. I know. And we all knew. So th this is not a shot at the Cowboys, who I do think will have a top five defense in the league. But you can't sell me on uh, Kellen Moore's left. And the communication is incredible. The details here are over the moon. I don't buy it. That play against, I mean, it's really when you step away from the emotion of it. And you watch that Niners-Cowboys play again. Put it up here. It's unbelievable that you have 14 seconds left. This is a playoff game. 
They're rushing three, and it's a quarterback draw, a design quarterback draw. Like, that's what they wanted. <laughs> the second and one, and they couldn't get a playoff. What are we doing here? So, um, and, and by the way, San Francisco led by six. It wasn't like a field goal was going to tie it up. Yeah, I, I get it if it's tied, go down, spike it. That maybe is an argument. You needed a touchdown to win. Second and one, the quarterback draw, 14 seconds left. It was a designed play. This is what they wanted. This wasn't Dak ad-libbing. This was run the quarterback draw, which, by the way, bums me out because they called it, and Dak was like, I'm good with it. I think Mahomes would be like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Bro, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Dak bought into it. So I also worry, it does worry me that, we just had video earlier in the hour of Mahomes doing behind-the-back stuff. I keep hearing that Kansas City is adding more to Mahomes' plate. And yet, what you're hearing out of Dallas is they're taking stuff off the table for Dak. Well, time out. You're, you you want to give him a, 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 an extension on his contract. So clearly, he's the future. If you're scaling back things now, what are you scaling back when he gets old? And less twitchy and less mobile. Like, what are we doing here? So the, the, the name of the game is you get a star quarterback and you put more on Justin Herbert's plate. That's why the Chargers got Kellen Moore. They wanted somebody they considered younger, a little more progressive of a play caller to add more to Justin Herbert's plate. They want to add more. Mahomes, add more. I mean, even Baltimore has said with Lamar Jackson, who many view as a running quarterback, they want to they add more dimensions to Lamar Jackson. They want to add stuff because they have confidence now. He has grown past just running around Lamar. He can be pocket Lamar, and I agree with him. I think he throws better than people think. So you start looking at all this stuff, the great ones, you're just adding more plays. Dak, they're pulling stuff back. They want to run the ball. I don't know. I, don't. I think what happens sometimes is that you can like a coach. I mean, let's let's be honest. Great players love to be coached hard. Not all of them, but a lot of them like to be coached hard. Not everybody. That doesn't mean the good players like to be coached hard. Dak's a good player. He, he, he may like McCarthy. McCarthy, you know, makes it easier for him. But I think if you're great, you add more to great players. You ask more of Jordan. You ask more of Jokic. We got this unique skill set. Ask, ask Messi to do more, not less. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Well, I've wanted to meet this young guy for a long time, Jordan Schultz, NFL insider for The Score. Now, it should be noted that for many of you, uh, you would know his father, Howard Schultz, who was the creator, founder of Starbucks. And so it's a very interesting life that Jordan Schultz has lived. His dad briefly owned the Sonics, and Jordan was telling me during the break uh, when you were a young college kid, you didn't like the way dad was treated. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Seattle Press was tough on him. Yeah. And so you were about you were closer in age. Yeah. To the Sonic players, Ray Allen. Yes. Uh, Richard, Richard Lewis. Lewis. Yes. And so you decided at that point you liked those guys and their stories, and that got you into NBA insider stuff. It, it, it's it's so true. When I was uh, about fourteen was when he bought the team. Yeah. And so by the time I was in college and playing basketball, I used to go to the facility and work out with Ray and Richard and Luke Ridnour and Nick Collison, all those sure. guys. And actually, Ray Allen broke my nose playing basketball, which is <laughs> another story. But I, I always empathized with how they were treated, both fairly but oftentimes unfairly, particularly by the local media. And you know they weren't that much older than me. And I remember thinking, how are they going to – go play basketball tonight when this reporter just called them that and it's not true or this happened that isn't really true but maybe it was misreported or and that stuff really hurt me because I could feel their pain and we used to talk like I remember when when Richard was negotiating his yeah. I think it was a seven-year 77 million dollar extension came over to the house we played horse and we spent some real time together and I could feel I don't know, he must have been 24 or 25 because he, he came out of high school. He was still so young. Yeah. And I could feel his angst. And I just said to him, like, it's going to be okay. Like, you and my dad, you'll, you'll figure this out. Right. And he was like, how do you know that? And I said, because you guys are cool and you'll, you'll make it happen. Like, it's, it's going to happen. Don't worry right. about it. And the media was on him, I believe, about he should just sign or he should take this number. And so that was hard to watch firsthand. And I just remember thinking, if I could ever be in the position to help empower the player, I would, I would do it. 
So you started with that. That's a very tribal industry, NBA Insiderville. So you went to the NFL where there's far more players, by the way, and there's a lot of people breaking stories. There's an infinite number of stories to be broken. Uh, not, it's a different world. Basketball, and I say this as somebody that we both love hoops. I love basketball. It is um, star-driven, and if you don't have relationships with the top four, five, six stars or coaches, it can be difficult. So you pivoted to the NFL. I did. Were you a Seahawk fan growing up? Massive. Yes. Colin, I grew up Seahawks Kingdom. Remember they played that two years at Husky Stadium? Yes. They were they were really a middling franchise. Yes. And then Mike Holmgren came in and turned them around. But throughout most of my childhood, the Seahawks were third tier behind the Mariners who had Griffey and the Sonics who had Kemp and Payton. And by the way, the Huskies, the Huskies had big years. Huskies too, yeah. So oh. the Seahawks really popped in 05, and that's actually the year I met my wife. She was a an intern at the Seahawks, so I met my wife at a Seahawks game. I feel like a super special connection to the organization as a whole, but I was a massive Seahawks fan growing up. Now, they don't need a running back because they drafted Zach Charbonnet from UCLA along with Walker from Michigan State, so they're set there. Pete loves his running backs, but you have some news on Ezekiel mm-hmm. Elliott Jason McIntyre has been saying in the last month oh, when he's here, he's off this week. He keeps saying, I don't, I can't believe Zeke has no market. Does he, what are you being told? He does. Now I reported this last weekend. He spent essentially the entire day at the Patriots facility. It went really well. He's in great shape. His weight is good. It's not that he doesn't have a market, but if you're a running back, especially one three-time pro bowl, there's, there's no real rush to sign That's and right. be in camp. And so for him, he's, He's waiting. He's trying to make sure he gets the absolute best deal possible. But I would look at the entire AFC East as a possibility. Buffalo, New England, Miami, New York. All four could use another running back. And in New England's case, they like the idea of pairing him with Ramondre Stevenson, a good young back. Yes. Zeke is kind of that, you know, he he maybe he's not what he was three or four years ago, but he's still a really good player. He's great in pass protection. Yeah. Uh, one of the best backs in pass protection. That was actually told to me by a scout that one of the reasons he's going to ultimately find a home sooner than later is because he can help right away identify the blitzes. And especially if you have a young back, he can make a big impact. So I think all four of those teams are a possibility for him. Now, Dalvin Cook, who's still, I think, on the later years of his prime, but still very, very productive. He's been sort of hovering around the Jets. I don't think they need a back. I think there's there's places where he could go, but what are you hearing about Dalvin Cook? So he he was there for Sunday practice, hard knocks. We're gonna see it tonight, right? It's gonna debut. He that was a that was a big spectacle. But ultimately, they have Brees Hall coming back from an ACL. And Michael, Michael Carter. Good good backup. Good back. young back. So really it comes down to they have a brutal first six weeks. Uh, Dallas, Kansas City. I mean, it's Buffalo. It's brutal. However, I think Miami makes a lot of sense because they have a boatload of young backs, including Devon Chain, who they drafted. It's a big speed guy. Dalvin's from there. Imagine Dalvin Cook and a Josh and a Mike McDaniel offense. I just, to me, that makes perfect sense. You could spread them around with Tua. They have so much speed with Hill and Waddle. And the ulti- ultimate opportunity for me with Cook is you mentioned he's 27. He's probably on the backstage, but he's the only running back in the last four years to have over 1,200 all-purpose yards each year, four-time Pro Bowler, and you wouldn't need to use him with respect to Minnesota the same way. Like You don't need to get him 20 touches a, That's right. a, a game in Miami. Okay, uh, I, it's a backup role. Carson Wentz, uh, who, by the way, would be one of the more talented backups in the NFL, is there a landing spot for him? There is, and... Did you see the the pictures he posted? No. Colts. He's wearing I, all his gear. There it is right there. He's wearing well, Eagles. Now, see, now he works for them because he's mobile yes. and Anthony Richardson. So I always think you need symmetry between your starter and your backup. Yeah. Like Colt McCoy is a great backup to Kyler because he moves well. Yeah. Smaller guy moves yeah. well. So where do you think? Is Indy the spot? No, I, I don't think so. But I will say with Wentz that he, here's, here's the problem that he's facing is – a lot of teams don't prioritize having they, – they, they want their number two guy to complement the number one, to your point. In Wentz's case, his tools and his experience are going to be number one quality. Like, his caliber, he's still a very good quarterback. He's just – he had two really bad final games in both Washington and Indianapolis. Yeah. He's been working tirelessly with John Gruden, 
who has been calling teams saying, you got to get this guy in your building. He's, he's changed his mindset. He's getting more sudden, a little more twitchy. Now, Carson Wentz, is he a starter? I don't know. But I would be shocked if he wasn't on an opening day roster, at least as a number two, because he's going to give you experience, and I think he's made it abundantly clear internally that he is willing to be the number two guy and help cultivate the, the young quarterback, whoever it is. Uh, Jordan Schultz is joining us, NFL Insider. When uh, Sean Payton, um, you know, there's certain industries, people tend to, uh, it could be law enforcement, it could be military, uh, politics, everybody hates everybody. But generally in sports, it's kind of insular and provincial. You don't criticize your own. So when Sean Payton came out, uh, and I'm rooting for Russ, but he did look older and slower last year. He took a lot of hits. He got beat up. Um, what did your phone uh, light up when Sean Payton said that? How did players react to that ripping Hackett? You spent time with the Jets. Yeah, it just doesn't happen much that a Hall of Fame level coach blasts somebody yeah. else. I listened to your pod with Dave Wanstead where yeah. he said, "It's just forget the the coaching code. It's a code of uh, sorry. Something just there we go. Something just came in. I'm waiting on something. Okay. Um, he said, forget the coaching code. It's the just guy code of you're you're an experienced man in a position of power in the NFL. You're a head coach. There's and vulnerable. Vulnerable. You don't say that. Now, I think Sean Payton to say, I had my Fox hat on is fair. He's terrific on Fox. Yeah. I think he did a hell of a job. You, you probably don't want to go after a head coach because you're going to play him at some point. They're going to play early in the season. And also, if you're Sean Payton, like – you are inheriting a pretty tough situation, right? Like, they did not do well last year. Russ really struggled. It just, to me, puts a, an added target on your back if you're going to say Nathaniel Hackett did not do a good job and really take it a step further and say he did a terrible job. Players, like, I've talked to players on the Jets who say we love Hackett. I don't know if the Broncos players feel that same way, but Rodgers was a huge reason why Hackett's there. He said publicly he's one of the best, maybe the best coach I've ever had. Maybe Nathaniel Hackett's not a head coach, Colin. He's a really good offensive coordinator. We've That's seen right. that in Green Bay. I think he'll do the same in New York. I'm curious for you. Is there, to me, when I look at the Jets, there's no reason why they can't be successful. Oh, they could be 13-4 and four yeah. if they're healthy up front. If, if Dwayne Brown gets hurt at left tackle. He's 38 years old. Yeah. So it's a Tyron Smith thing. Excellent. If he stays healthy, absolutely could be a 13-win team. Makai Becton right now is. He's a big part of it. Yeah, right tackle. If Dwayne Brown goes down, Becton moves over, left. has the uh, yeah to the left side. Yeah. Then remember, Aaron uh, uh, Jordan has never had a bad O line. New England and Green Bay have a weird way of never drafting O linemen in the first round, but always having Pro Bowlers. It's they, the draft and development's very good. So Aaron's never had a bad O line. This could be a bad O line. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker's very really good, good player, very good. SC. And I yeah. think Dwayne Brown, when healthy, has got another great year. But I, I mean, you've spent some time. I think it's a I think we'll know everything um, by about week four. Yeah. We'll have a sense. The O-line's holding up. It's going to be fun. They got Buffalo week one Which is on a brutal. Monday night. I feel, I feel like that's going to tell us a lot. That's why I was saying with the Jets, to bring in Dalvin could be a pressure, uh, some kind of pressure release for, for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, yeah. like, I am all in on the Jets this year. I think they have a really good staff. I think they have a really good team. I think they have a really good defense. I mean, yeah. DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner, that's a phenomenal one-two punch. Right. I just, like, if you're the Jets, why not bring in help from a running back position? Maybe it's Zeke. Maybe it's Delvin Cook. But someone that can release some of the pressure off of Aaron that you know can catch the football and just make it, give you another weapon as an offense. So, I think they're really close. That division is, is brutal, though, because I think Miami's going to be really good. I think Buffalo's going to be really good. I think England's going to be better. Is there, um, so as you transition from an NBA insider to uh, Jordan Schultz joining us, his father, of course, the founder of Starbucks, and we were talking off air. I've got a million questions about his dad. <laughs> he, he, he would tell you whatever you want to know, so you, tell, you ask me and I'll answer it. Yeah. Okay, so do you find um, the relationship, um, NBA players make more money than NFL players. I find NFL players, um, the ones I've covered, uh, I, I like them both. I think they're both funny. Um, I think we. I think the basketball culture is is really hard. Um, AAU doesn't do you a favor. It's not team building. Uh, one year of college, off to the NBA, mega stardom. 
it's hard. NFL, you get beat up by coaches for three years. High school coaches yes. hard. College coaches hard. You have to stay in college. You come in more grown up, often married, sometimes with kids on the way. What's the difference covering NBA guys and NFL guys, the athlete? Well, NBA doesn't have the helmet, and it's only a 12-man active roster. The NFL is 53 guys, practice squad, and I would say, Colin, unless you're a quarterback, it is really, really hard to consistently make yourself available to the media, to the fans. Like, if you if you put put it this way, here's the biggest difference: if you took the average NBA player and they walked down a street, and you took the average NFL player, maybe it's a lineman, maybe it's a safety, nobody and they, would know who he is. It's a big difference, even if it's a really good player. Oftentimes, you wouldn't know. I mean, I I was at the Super Bowl last year or this this past uh, spring in, in Phoenix, and there were some really good NFL players walking around, and they would say to me, you know, this is kind of nice. Nobody really recognizes me. I thought I would get recognized more in this big setting. And and that is probably the biggest difference. And then also, guaranteed contracts. That's why you see players fighting so much for that guaranteed money up front, signing bonus, and it's why I never get on NFL players, especially considering the average length is about three years for wanting their money early because it is incredibly hard to get it. Do you find there are certain cultures where they're not going to return your calls? Are there easier cultures to get a phone call? I have four or five, I'd say I have five or six executives in the league that I don't pester them, but I either have lunch or I'm like, hey, I got a question. Explain this to me. Um, dealing with GMs, easier in the NFL or NBA? That's a good one. Um, I prefer the NFL because you have so many talking points. You could go through, first of all, you, you, you think about how big the roster is, how big the draft is, the scouting departments, the personnel people. There is so, there, there's, all, there's never a dry day. Like, right. Would you say without question that the NFL is the only true 365 sport? Yeah. I mean, and maybe college football is next. The NBA, you know, the offseason is is awesome, but it's really only a few days, a right. week. Yeah. The NFL offseason, you have the combine, you have the senior bowl, you have the east-west. Free agency. Free agency, the draft. It is just a massive conglomerate of one after another, and it fe everything feels big. That's what I love about the NFL is everything feels big. They have done such an unbelievable job of marketing the league, and that's a testament to... Say what you want about Roger Goodell, but he has done a really good job of that. So I would say, in general, it's a little bit easier to deal with NFL. However, I didn't go all in on the NBA insider route the way that I did on the NFL. So maybe I'm a little biased. I also just, at this point in my life, Colin, as a basketball lover, a true hooper, played four years in college, not well, I prefer watching the NFL to any other sport. Yeah. Well, there's an urgency, a suddenness, and there's also, frankly, it's a great TV product. The field fits perfectly. Unbelievable TV it, product. It, it, and Roger Goodell's always understood, we're a TV show. Yeah. Um, I, now, I've got to ask you, obviously, because I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Starbucks and Microsoft are the, con uh, the, the corporations of note. Amazon, too. Boeing. Amazon, Amazon now owns half of downtown yeah. or more. I know people who have tried to rent in downtown Seattle. Not in Westlake. <laughs> yeah. Forget it. Forget it. Um, when you grow up and your dad runs Starbucks, you're a grinder, which is one of the things I, I'm always kind of fascinated by um, billionaires' kids. But yet you're, you have a work ethic. Uh, you didn't go to some Princeton. You were hooping it, getting your nose broken by Ray Allen. Yeah, yeah. Is it advantages, disadvantages to growing up with that kind of wealth? Uh, did your father let you see it? I know this is a private question, a no, personal I'm, question, but I'm interested. I think the audience is interested. And, and I'm, I appreciate the interest. I would say that um, I was always really private growing up. So it was really, I was keenly aware of the fact that I had privilege. Um, that I went to a prep school. I didn't go to the, uh, the Choates, but I went to a, a prep school in Seattle. I was well-educated, and I had access to things day-to-day -day that other kids, even kids of means, didn't have. Um, maybe it was good food. Uh, maybe it was good equipment. But we didn't struggle ever. And so when I started to, I think basketball, this is why I love basketball so much and why I love sports so much is playing AAU basketball, and I had I was on the I was in the same AAU program as as Brandon Roy, so I really saw someone at the top, and I saw the struggles that he had to go through, and we were from five minutes apart. 
but I was with him a lot, especially when he was trying to qualify for where, the SAT. Where was he from? Where, he, so he went to Garfield. Oh, of course. Which Legendary is, uh, le- Seattle absolutely. high school basketball program. Absolutely. And Seattle's a hotbed for basketball. I mean, Jamal Crawford, Nate Robinson, you could just go down the list. Rainier Beach, Garfield, Rainier Beach, Mercer Island abso- with Ed Peppel used to be Absolutely. Great. You know. So, and Brandon was the best of them all. And yet, he had a hard time getting into college. And I remember watching him study. There was this small Gramercy gym in Seattle, grammar school gym. And he would study, and then he would go play. And we'd play every day. And he wanted so badly to qualify to go to UW. He ultimately got it done. And watching him struggle and have to figure it out on his own, essentially, and then me having a tutor, I remember thinking, this is so unfair. Like, he should have access to that. He's way more talented than me. Right. But he didn't, and it really bothered me. And so I would go home, and I would talk to my parents about this, and they would say, listen, you, you have access to things that nobody else has. You're not even in the 1%. You're in the, in the 0.1%. And it's important for us as parents for you to understand what you have and what others don't have. And so I started to become more and more aware with Starbucks and the Sonics because when I got into my teenage years, 14 through 18, those pivotal high school years, was when Starbucks probably was doing its best, yeah. and he had the Sonics. So there were things that I got to experience, travel, food, culture. But you were aware. That I was they really were- aware of it. I was really aware of it. And so there were, I would say that there's no disadvantages. Like I can't, I just yeah. can't say it. But there are things that you want to be ultra protective about. And, and one of the things is, is like this element of privacy, because yeah. you're not going to have a lot in right. a small city like Seattle. Yeah. And so I remember talking to my parents at one point. I said, I, I think I might need to change my name. <laughs> I've, never t- I've told versions of this story, but never really specific. I was probably 17, and I said to both my parents, you know, we got to talk. And they, I, don't, I don't know what they thought, but I said, I think it might be time for me to change my name. And they said, oh, you don't like the name Jordan? I said, no, I got to change my last name. <laughs> I said, Schultz, Schultz, this is this is too small of a city for us to read out this How did thing. mom and dad react to that? But my dad said, are you are you crazy? You know, if you know my dad, he said, what are you, nuts? And my mom, <laughs> I, my mom thought it was crazy, but at least she wanted to understand. My dad wanted nothing to do with it. He's yeah. like, I think you, you're crazy for even suggesting that. My mom really wanted to understand. Right. And I said, because as long as I'm in this city, especially Seattle, with that last name, I'm never going to have my own identity. I'm never going to have the respect of my peers. And most importantly, I'm never going to escape the shadow. And so I never, obviously I didn't change my name. But what it really cemented for me was I'm not going to take over the family business. Because that was also about the same time I talked to them and I said, I don't think I could ever pursue Starbucks. And they were really, really supportive. And that was really important for That's me. That's great. Because my dad especially knew if you are in this building – especially taking over for me 10, 15 years down the road, you'll never achieve the type of success that you want because you'll always have in the back of your mind, oh, I got this job because of my dad. And he said, you know what? You'd be right. That's why you got the job. So that, that was a big, I'd say, learning experience over an 18-month period of not changing my last name, but also learning over time, Colin, as I'm 37 now, to be proud of it, but not show it off. Right. There's like that fine sure. balance, and I, I still don't think I've achieved it, but I, I, I am trying. Well, you're uh, self-aware. I love it. What a pleasure for me. I know, you know, I, I've, I'm to the point in my career where all these talented young people, Justin Herbert's on my show, he goes, yeah, I used to listen in the backseat of my car going to elementary school. And I'm like, thanks. I feel 80. He's a Eugene guy, though, so you have the Pacific Northwest. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, but I listen to you, Colin. I w- I've been listening to you, maybe not that young, but yeah, since I'm 10, 11, 12 years old. Well, hopefully I imparted some wisdom. Yeah, you did. A lot, brother. A lot. <laughs> what a pleasure. Congrats thank on your you. success. Let's stay in touch. Yes, thank you. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love at first listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I 
see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.